Hi, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. Today, we're going to talk about how we hit 12 quarters in a row. Yes, you heard right, 12 quarters. Number one, we're going to talk about what might keep you right now from being as predictable as we were. Then we're going to move into planning, how to build a plan that you can actually execute both top down and bottom up. And lastly, planning is great, but really the core of it is execution. We're going to talk about how you can relentlessly execute against that plan every day, every week, every quarter. I like this. Okay, we're good to go. Oh, now I don't have any coffee anymore. Do you want a break? No, this is my <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the eternal struggle of the intro. No, I was actually, uh, I was like, how can we get better at this? And I was Googling how to make a podcast intro. You know what I found? Nothing. Good Google music. Broke. Find some good music. <laughs> okay, check. Done. Anyway, today we're going to tell a bit of a story about predictable revenue. That's it. And you and I talked about, hey, what are we going to call the episode? Should it be predictable revenue this or that? And it was like, that's really snake oil. We're going to tell a story about how we experienced predictable revenue and effectively hit 12 quarters in a row, yeah. which is really significant. And, you know, if I might add, taking most of those learnings, not only for this company, but also for the product that we're building to help other companies achieve something similar, mm. right? So there's a little bit of advertisement in here, but that's part of part of what we're building. I'll try and steer you clear of the advertising part. Oh, yeah, of course. Let's focus on on the learnings. Mm -hmm. But that's that's really what we're going to do. And... I think before we just jump into how we did it, the mechanics, mm -hmm. what I think is going to be super important is let's spend a bit of time talking about what are some of the structures and processes that are holding companies back or preventing them from even starting to think about predictable revenue. Yeah. I think it starts with understanding your revenue engine. That's kind of the, the first step. Mm -hmm. Really trying to figure out how do these things work? What is it that I need to input or tweak in order to achieve what end result? And for many organizations, they actually have that. They're just not realizing that they have it already and they don't think about it in that specific way. I think the 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 next thing then, and this is usually where I go and rant a little bit about CFOs and like, ah, you know, these guys. The The point here is that the, the reason for, for organizations then not to achieve predictable revenue is there's some plan that they need to execute. It kind of doesn't really work out. And then what they thought would be, you know, the predictable outcome suddenly isn't, mm. right? And that's not really the, the fault of the execution team. Might, might be, though. It's sometimes also just a planning error, basically, right? You have a planning error. Therefore, you don't get to the predictable number that you thought you would get to. And then you basically, you know, call everything into question. Instead, kind of having that, um, you know, removing both sides of that error equation, the planning and the execution side, you know, if you kind of make that really nicely, I think then uh, then you kind of get to the predictable outcome that, that many people are hoping for. So are there some telltale signs that maybe you're not doing it the right way already today? I think... I think telltale signs, and maybe this is more anecdotal, uh, you have something that sometimes comes from the top so the ceo hey are we are we predictable do we have a scalable engine are mm. we a scale up and then yes 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 we are everything everything 100% and really what what does it mean to be a scale up uh, or to be ready for scale it really means that you have understood 
that you can do certain things in a re repetitive manner to achieve the same outcome. So in, in, in an outbound world, you uh, have shown that you hired not one or two, but 10 or 20 SDRs. You onboarded them all through the same process and or always improving process. You see them being able to produce those opportunities at a certain scale and you see those opportunities close at a certain rate. Once you have achieved that, that is that is one scalable channel. And then how do you scale it? You add more people, right? And really, you know, what you're trying to achieve here is you're trying to achieve something that is repeatable, you know, hiring those SDRs, putting them through the same process, you know, closing at a certain rate. And um, that then becomes scalable over time. And what's really important to note here is sometimes I, I equate this to you really want to make sure to have, you know, to, to make the average Joe sales rep successful. Mm. If all of your, your go-to-market depends on two or three brilliant, uh, brilliant ladies or guys, that, that is not repeatable, right? Kind of only hiring perfect talent, that's, that's, not, that's not a winning formula, right? And, and you might have the same with partnerships, you might have the same in marketing, you have, might have the same with all kinds of different channels. Once you reach a point where you can do things repeatedly, then in my world, mm. you would be considered a scale-up. And that means you have passed the go-to-market fit stage. Uh, which um, you know, then then really you can start scaling. So really, it's about the maturity of the business. And I think we talked about in a previous episode finding the one thing to scale, mm -hmm. which is really if you if you haven't found that yet, just go a couple of episodes back, listen to that, and then it's a very different game you need to play before thinking about achieving predictable revenue. Absolutely. Day. Okay, gotcha. So I also think that maybe transitions us nicely into the story, right? Mm -hmm. Because we had. Uh, at the company you and I worked together found one thing to scale mm -hmm. and we should jump into that story and that methodology of how did we start hitting 12 quarters in a row and then obviously it follows there was a quarter we didn't hit before those 12. Yes. So and I think that's why I started out with the understanding bit. Yeah. It's really important to understand your engine before you can try and be predictable about it. Um, it's like trying to predict the weather. You need to understand <laughs> you know, how this whole physics thing works in the atmosphere before you can start maybe predicting it. And it's it's really the same thing here. And what, what happened there um, in, in the company that we, so Falcon, where we both worked, we went through a rough period. We we were already past 10 million at this point. We, uh, we were clearly a scale up, a couple of things worked. Uh, and we started pushing and pushing, you know, whatever worked more and more. And, um, and suddenly we realized, hey, wait a minute, the, the, the stuff that we set up wasn't as scalable as we thought it was, <laughs> which, which obviously at that, at that scale, it's pretty expensive. I mean, we're talking <laughs> burning a million euros a month. Some people might think this is not much, but yeah, it was a lot for us back then. And um, crisis, 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 and then trying to figure out, okay, how do we get out of this year, which really then resulted in understanding oh wait a minute this is this is how we're generating revenue mm. right and and up until then it was hey let's hire all of those aes and uh, sure we need to hire some in marketing and, and and outbound as well but this outbound thing it's really just those kids on facebook we were selling social media management software yeah. so it, you know it makes sense and uh, and that's you know that's more like a luxury add-on to have but not really maybe kind of a hiring pipeline for the aes but that's it um and then you know going through the crisis uh, again, right, I think I, I told the story a few times now, we crunched the numbers, we figured out, wait a minute, this is actually working, this is how it works. It's all about the opportunity production. Actually, we can even 
benchmark the outbound opportunity production versus the marketing opportunity production. You know, we can do some resource allocation and so forth. Um, and that was really the, this was the start, right? And then, and this is where some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the snake oilishness maybe comes into it. Mm. We realized, hey, wait a minute, all of this is about these opportunities. We need to focus on adding more and more of those opportunities in order to scale. Um, but, you know, as we walked into the next quarter every time, we knew how many opportunities were produced. We knew how many people we had in seats. We knew more or less exactly how many more opportunities we're going to produce for the next six weeks. That was the important threshold yeah. because we had, you know, X amount of days of, of sales cycle. So it was fairly easy for us to figure out, you know, where we're going to land next quarter and then kind of set the bar in the right, in the right level, which then, um, you know, sometimes was above what the board wanted. Sometimes was a bit below because hiring was low or something like that. Um, so really, you know, balancing those two things out is, you know, with the understanding that opportunities are driving this whole thing. That's really what helped us get to get to this winning streak. Mm. So we had basically found the one thing to scale. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially one thing because, you know, I recall sitting in a marketing at that point in time, obviously it was a very different state um, compared to what we have been used to. We could deliver, a, a, let's say, a stable production, but we hadn't really cracked the nut for, for scaling it. And there's, I think, multiple reasons for it back then. But we have found the one channel in SDR, so sales development mm -hmm. reps, basically booking meetings for account executives who would then demo and close, right? Yes. So the thing is looking back, so, you know, talking to the Falcon folks now, they're still at roughly 40, 50% inbound. And honestly, this is the same ratio we had from, from the start. Yeah. So, so really what that means, and, and maybe this goes against what I said before, we didn't have the full understanding what we need to do on the marketing side to create, you know, what outcome, mm. but we did do a bunch of things right. You did a bunch of things Thank right. <laughs> <laughs> we can um, talk about them in and, another episode. <laughs> and, and basically, what that means is, uh, while the while the ratio was the same, yeah. uh, you know, things that we did kept kept on scaling afterwards, yeah. right? And and many of these things, I'm sure, if we were to dig into it, is around direct and branded search, and you know, mm -hmm. organic uh, branded search and stuff. Really figuring out, or really kind of making sure that the market knows who we are and mm -hmm. come to us when it's time, right? I mean, it's also easier for, for an SDI if they know who you are when you're calling, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the struggle, it, it's not that we as a team executed poorly or anything of that sort. It's we could not directly relate the work always to the revenue. And and we could with SDRs. It's, it's so much easier to draw that line. And I think, again, it's back to finding finding that one thing to scale you yep. talked about, right? So so having that in place. So so basically we had found had found that, right? And one of the things you you and I have talked about is also the the whole exercise of setting then the target, mm. which is, you know, a key part of then being predictable, knowing how much can we do. I, I think we should dig into this piece as well so because that, it's it's one of the, you know, big challenges you can face in mm -hmm. an org. Right, you have the push from the top. This is what we want, and then the team saying, "Yeah, well, yeah." And I think here we're going a little bit into the 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 planning part of the mm. predictability equation. So what you really want to avoid is to make stupid planning mistakes that then prevent you from being predictable, and that you know then make you look like a fool. The whole team actually towards the board, but also towards the organization. Let's not forget that, mm. right? So, um, you know, people will understand what the target is and they will understand if you're falling short and they will form their opinion based based <laughs> on that. And really the on the planning side, the way I think, uh, which is a good practice, people should go about it, is there should be a top-down target. 
I think it's really important. I think how founders and CEOs and executive teams should actually approach it is really a, so the board can tell us how we should look like, you know, next year in two years in order to have the highest, you know, next funding round success. That should be the idea of a top-down approach, top-down target, which might have nothing to do with reality, by the way. Mm. And that's okay, but that's that's the that's the direction. Um, and then there should be a, um, a process internally that comes maybe from revenue operations together with the CRO and the, the whole you know commercial uh, team to figure out, okay, how can we build best towards that dream setup? Instead of, you know, taking what the board said, you know, doing a, okay, that number divided by ACV, uh, average contract value gives me so many new, new you know, customers we need to have and so many MQLs. That is the wrong way to do it. The right way to do it is to really figure out, okay, what are the things we have, you know, what does the engine look like today? Mm. What can we ideally achieve going towards that dreamland that the board painted? Um, and then figure out what's the gap, what can we do about it? Does the, the bottom-up approach, does that need to go a bit further up? Or the top-down, does that need to come down a little bit? Mm. And usually when you add cost to the whole thing, right, really thinking about the budgeting process and so forth, there's a kind of a circular error here that needs to be uh, you know, concluded at some point, which is, well, we were thinking you add so many more revenues, which then also you know provides cash to pay for all of the salaries that you need. Mm. If you can't get to that revenue number, actually we also have a lower CAC budget for you to kind of dip into, which then in reverse means, oh, wait a minute, I don't have that much budget to spend. So then actually my revenue number comes down further, right? And kind of solving that, that usually takes a lot of time. But getting to the point where those two things are, let's just say, closely aligned, it shouldn't, it doesn't need to be the same, but closely aligned. I think that is the first step to set yourself up for a predictable revenue success, if you will, yeah. opposed to let's do a loose bottom up. And in the end, we need to do whatever the board said anyway. So, you know, let's just try and do that, right? That Doing that, I think that will make it very hard for you to be predictable in your revenue. So I think the important thing you noted here is there's, there's top-down a target arrives. And then it's not just a matter of the team, let's say marketing or sales, doing reverse math and say, mm -hmm. okay, well, this is the amount of opportunities we need to produce. Then it's still top-down yeah. at the end of the day. And I think what is incredibly powerful is you have a team that is not, baked into marketing it's not baked into sales it's it's you know a separate team who by the way are experts in how ideally the whole revenue engine is working yep. at, a, at any given business they can very objectively go in and say okay from a marketing standpoint this will be the gap from a sales standpoint this will be the gap and be that really really important partner along with the teams and then articulate well how what will we need then in order to close that gap and I think what's super important, right? Revenue operations is not the expert in all of these things. No. Right? To be really clear about this, it's still the VP marketing, it's still the VP sales and so forth. Those those brains need to be leveraged in order to come up with the best thing going forward. Revenue re operations should be there to facilitate the process, mm. but also to connect the dots. Yeah. So what does it mean if uh, marketing wants to do that for sales? Right? Do we need more people? Do we need fewer people? You know, what, mm. you know, how, how do we go about this, right? And this is just one of those examples that tie two different silos together, but there are plenty more, right? And then the, the other bit is also that revenue operations in that sense is egoless, 
right? They're not thinking about themselves. Hey, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sales. I need more salespeople and more commission. They think about the whole revenue engine, how it works together. So you really have a, like a nice arbitra in the in the process here that's given seniority. And I know that you know if you are a sales ops person right now that is working on commissions and and, and CRM stuff, it's difficult to kind of get into that position as you. Ha- have more uh, seniority in your organization as the organization hires someone that is more senior in revenue operations, more and more power of that process should go to that person. Mm. So at this point in time, then hopefully there's some idea of how to go about creating our target. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, top down, there comes a direction from the board and the CEO and the Mm -hmm. the C-suite. You you start the whole bottom-up process, there's some negotiation, you land on a plan, you land on a target. Right. And we did that at Falcon. Mm-hmm. But then once the plan is set, execution begins. Yes. And one of the things you you highlighted uh, recently was we had a relentless focus on execution. So let's let's talk a bit about this one, because there will be some companies that does a great job at building a plan and a target. And then they look back at the year and go, we did not, none of that. Yes. So sometimes I say the planning part, you know, while important, it's really just a necessary evil. Uh, Let's get you know, it over with. Planning, planning alone doesn't do anything for you. No. Um, it's, it's really just the foundation. Uh, and sometimes you say, hey, this is the 20%. The 80%, you know, the 80% is really the execution, right? It's a bit of, you know, leaning towards the Pareto thing. You know, you do the 20% super mm. quickly and so forth. And... The the important piece here now is to figure out how do you actually drive that plan into the organization? And that was, for us back then, that was a big thing to try and figure out and how do you keep everyone you know on track, on pace all the time? And, and there are a couple of, you know, I feel cadences that the organization needs to set up for this to happen. Hmm. Um, and and one cadence, you know, we talked about this already, you know, a couple of times, you know, quarterly business reviews, monthly business reviews, and so forth. And really, the point of this is sure to you know show everyone graphs and understand and and, and so forth. But it's also to keep driving. Hey, those are the numbers we need. Uh, if we don't get those numbers, then this will happen over here, and we're in a, in a in a world of pain. And if if that higher doesn't happen, we won't get to those numbers and so forth. Right? Really making really clear for everyone how all of these different moving pieces hang together, right? Building this understanding, not only with the VP of sales, who probably usually gets it. Same, by the way, for VP marketing and support, but it's really also for um, your HR department, your talent attraction department. You know, hiring good people takes longer and hiring good people at scale is really difficult. And yes, if those uh, SDRs or marketing people or so forth, if they start a little bit later, well, that actually has an impact, right? So really making it really, really clear for everyone uh, what they need to do, by when, checking in that it actually happens. And and that really is, you know, that means driving execution in a relentless way. You know, we, we took it as far and I think it was too far, but maybe <laughs> this is my fault. You know, this is this was for me daily. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't check the status on a higher daily. But what you actually want to do in order to keep this momentum up, instead of just having a monthly or quarterly check-in, you actually as an organization should try and find ways to measure your progress towards the goal 
on a daily cadence. Mm. I would I would totally uh, recommend that for everyone. And what it meant for us, um, and you know, if it's this is this is part of the Falcon culture that is still alive, by the way. Every tenth meeting booked in the in the meeting book channel resulted in a um, uh, we call that this is a Pam. <laughs> P A M, so the yeah, German yeah, yeah. German kind of uh, um, umlaut, umlaut, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and in the beginning, you know, we we were high fiving on you know ten meetings. This was a on day. Slack, by the way. This was all obviously was all Slack. <laughs> ten meetings per day. We high fived on that. You know, four to five came from uh, marketing, four to five came from uh, sales and so forth. By the time I left, I think we were up to 30, 35 meetings booked per day, by the mm. way. And then, you know, a, a good old friend of mine that's still in the team uh, sent me a LinkedIn message the other month or so, is a, a little bit back, with a screenshot of the Slack channel of them doing 100 meetings in a day. <laughs> right? <laughs> so that was definitely the one thing to that scale. That is freaking scale. I mean, it's yeah. not only outbound, it's also inbound. It's the yeah. whole thing. But really what you then achieve with this is we basically started setting daily targets. So, hey, uh, and I carried this also into plan day. We call it there the, I don't know, the magic number. It was yeah. a little bit less in, inspirational, I guess. But basically every day we needed to get to the 10, 12, 15, 20, 25 uh, mm. meetings booked per day. Uh, and yes, we understand that there's a drop off between meetings booked to, you know, meetings held and meetings accepted and all of those things. But basically, the cool thing about it is it's super immediate, it's super clear, you can push for it the same day, mm. which is really important. And that then created a, everyone everyone in the organization knew, you know, if it was Wednesday and we didn't hit the, I don't know, 12 meetings a day, everyone knew where we're behind right now. Yeah. And it was very simple for everyone. And everyone was celebrating like crazy when we hit it. When we hit the 12, you know, it was a high five moment. Mm. If we then got to 15 people like, wow, this is flying, you know, we're yeah. going in the right direction. And can you can think what you will, but it, it does help to steer the organization. And to kind of to finish kind of that point, we actually tried and tried to find, and I don't think we fully succeeded, but that's really something to combine the sales and marketing engine. Mm. We tried to find something similar for the CS and support organization, we didn't end up with the perfect thing. There were some ideas that we threw around and some of that we tried out. It just didn't, we didn't, we didn't find the same cadence, but having a cadence like that was extremely powerful. Yeah. And I remember we, I mean, we would talk about it in the marketing team. Yesterday was a great day. Mm -hmm. Did you see? And every day I would at least look at how are we trending? So yesterday we did this amount of opportunities. This amount was from marketing. What does the forecast look like? How much revenue has been closed? And that's absolutely key to have that mm. finger on the pulse as well. Mm. Obviously, in marketing, you have a bunch of uh, leading indicators as well you need to pay attention to. But it's just to say that was super helpful. So that was kind of a, a daily thing. But we also had a way of working that kind of, I think it followed a bit after, uh, you know, once we started getting a bit more predictable, we mm. also got more and more organized on execution. We started implementing Scrum among mm -hmm. others. Not f like fully Scrum, but more the principles, I should say. Let's let's talk a bit about that because that's another key proponent of execution. Probably more rooted for for marketing and, and some of the higher ups in sales. Um, so let's let's get into that one. Yes. I almost forgot about this one. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, so the really, if you think about your commercial teams and let's just say, so I started dividing them into process teams and project teams. And some teams are a bit of a blend of both. Mm. 
if you are a process part of the commercial uh, engine, it's really, you know, meetings booked or maybe um, customers onboarded or something like that. Those kind of metrics you're, you're, you're hunting and you're trying to push up. And if you're sitting on the project side of the organization, which usually tends to be more marketing, marketing is more project driven. Yes, mm -hmm. they have their metrics, but it's more project driven. Uh, revenue operations, typical project driven piece. And then you have uh, some people in sales leadership and CS leadership that have a little bit more of a project driven piece to them as well, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, I felt it was a little bit overkill to try and include them in a, a Scrum setup. However, for revenue operations and for marketing, we started using Scrum uh, at a time when it still wasn't, I feel by now it's almost being mainstream actually for marketing and, and the RevOps team to use Scrum. Yeah. Uh, we, we tried it out early on and really the, the idea here was, you know, obviously my brain went to, oh, you know, t-shirt sizes, let's, you know, measure the whole thing and let's yeah, see, yeah. you know, where we get. Burn down charts. Yes. Um, and and it, this is the wrong way to take it. But the if you really live Scrum, what it does help you with, again, is some of the principles that we have in this daily high five. The daily high five is this, well, you know, we know the target. Uh, we know we got there, we didn't get there. And that is like very clear transparency, right? That's mm -hmm. transparency and transparency then builds accountability Scrum is the same fundamentals yeah. uh, to a degree. It's, you know, what do we need, you know, what do we want to do this the, the next two weeks, the sprint, the cycle, whatever we're calling it these days. And then there's, you know, did we achieve it? Let's look back, the retrospective, the review, kind of what can we do better and so forth. And obviously this helps, especially in a project world to understand dependencies and, hey, you need to actually help me with this. And, oh, wow, you can't. Well, mm -hmm. that means I actually now need to do something else differently and so forth, right? It creates that collaboration aspect as well uh, but it also has this and and i think it's only me liking and but it also has this you know self-selecting in so i want to get these tasks done and you know if 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 you set yourself the target then it's completely different from someone saying hey you know mikkel you need to do these five things mm. um and and i really like this dynamic uh, i really like it a lot yeah i mean i recall running it for marketing so we'd have Monday planning session, pull in tasks from various projects. Then we did stand-ups and then came the review mm -hmm. on a Friday, which was always really nice because mm -hmm. you'd show the work that had been done and you get that sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. For me, as a leader at that point in time, it also meant that I could take those takeaways and bring them into the management sessions so I could bring transparency there. And I would also know where potentially we're behind or we need input from another department so we could work that out for the team for them to basically progress so removing those obstacles from the team and in the same on, on the other side of the coin also if we needed to reprioritize because you know we didn't book those 12 meetings the other day that we needed to so we need to shift a little bit i'd be able to bring that back to the team clearly explain why and and everyone would know what what was delivered what is happening what are the priorities of the day um, I, I think there's there's both good and bad uh, in Scrum and it's going to be different for every team how they want to run it. But at least for that focus on execution, it was immensely helpful. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, taking two or three steps back here, I recently had a, a call, was a head of uh, RevOps and he very much uh, included in the strategy process and, you know, how, how are we going to set the plan? And then, you know, he lifted through like weekly check-ins with a commercial team and, and, you know, I was pointing out, hey, that sounds pretty, sounds like a wide gap, right? You have the, the annual planning over here, and then you have weekly operational, maybe tactical check-ins. 
um, that usually kind of feels feels like a large gap, right? Mm. And 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 that was really driven by yes, we had daily targets for some people or for some teams rather. It wasn't for people yeah. actually. And then we had you know for the the more project oriented data teams uh, the the Scrum setup, right? And then really you know bridging this with you know monthly and quarterly check-ins both for uh, you know the sales kickoff and mm. new targets and so forth, uh, but also the the monthly more for uh, you know, in a, in a Scrum world, you probably would call it a retrospective, kind yeah. of what is going well, what isn't going well, and then trying to take that time to get your engine, you know, to understand it a little bit better instead of being lost in tactical operational world all the time. Yeah, but I think it's a fair point. And, and again, this is just one of the frameworks among many you mm -hmm. can use to have that relentless focus on execution. So maybe just summing it up, there's quality business reviews, monthly business reviews, weekly check-ins and then there's how the teams operate and there's all of those cadences and yeah. people can do them differently what is really important is that all of these things tie into one another mm. if your daily uh, meetings book number doesn't add add up to your monthly or quarterly target it's rubbish yeah. if your quarterly targets don't add up to your annual target it's all rubbish if these things don't make sense if you are lead number doesn't work with the opportunity number marketing needs to create. It's all rubbish. And all of these things will get to the surface really quickly. Once you have your first couple of check-ins, once you have your first couple of, you know, difficult conversations, why didn't, you know, Mikkel, why didn't you hit this number? Mm. Then you will point out, well, because, you know, this number over there is completely wrong. So it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, you know, and, and suddenly you get st not stuck, but pushed into a world where your full funnel needs to be properly planned out and then you slice it into daily and weekly and monthly and quarterly bits and then the whole team needs to execute against it mm. so you know it's it's funny we talked about hitting 12 quarters in a row and there was not you know one silver bullet in there well that's right it's just a lot of work actually is what it is it's it's a it's a lot of freaking work it's doable though it's not snake oil no. whatever your finance team is trying to tell you it's not snake oil it's a combination of not making any planning errors and not making any execution errors. And there's plenty of companies publicly listed that keep on hitting targets. But that's, that's boring. That's also bullshit. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's yeah. fun. No, okay. Well, that was uh, another good episode recorded. Fucking fun. Yeah, it's really fun. And I hope you, the wonderful listener out there, enjoyed this episode. Hopefully next time there's going to be some paint on the wall here. I hope you're taking some stuff away and uh, again, feel free to either hit me up on uh, on the growth letter or on my LinkedIn or wherever, wherever I'm around. YouTube too. Yes. And let me know what, uh, what should be improved or what we should maybe be talking about instead. Yeah. Thanks a lot for listening. Okay. Take care. Bye.